This is the Spiritual Awakening Show. I'm Brent Spirit, and you're listening to part three of the Kundalini Awakening series. With Kundalini Awakening often comes a lot of energetic instability. You know, feeling stuck in your head, overthinking, spaced out, ungrounded, unable to focus. This is what happens when too much energy gets up in the higher chakras that we're not yet used to. So in this episode, I'm going to be sharing some tips and insights on how to manage this type of situation during your Kundalini awakening. Some of the practices that I'll be sharing here are things that I've shared before, but in a more general context. This time around, things are a little bit more specific to the Kundalini awakening process. If you have a question for me, are interested in my free ebooks and videos, or would like to meet with me one-on-one, visit brentspirit.com. Now, let's get right into this episode titled Kundalini Awakening, Energetic Balance, and Staying Grounded. So part one, we spoke about what Kundalini really is. Of course, it's a divine force that lies within us all. Once it's awakened, it's activated, it begins to move through our system, taking us through a metamorphosis, a transformation from being mere physical, worldly human beings to realizing our true nature as spiritual human beings, to realizing the self, to become self-realized, to realizing the divine nature of reality and of ourselves, and then embodying that in the world takes us toward the next stage of our evolutionary journey as human beings. In part two, we spoke about six basic guiding principles that you can fall back on during your kundalini process when things get difficult and when things are going well. So just for a quick recap, those six guiding principles are to respect the kundalini, to surrender to the kundalini process, to bring unconditional loving awareness to whatever may arise within your system, be it an emotion, a thought, feeling and experience, to develop a strong meditation practice, to listen to both the kundalini within, the guidance that's coming from within to your body, to be humble, to also listen to the guidance that may come from externally. So there are many different teachers and resources that we can listen to. It requires humility, but also listening requires a bit of silence, internal silence. And lastly, the final guiding principle that I had for you was to feel. So on the Kundalini process, we're going to have a lot of things coming up within our system to feel, emotions, sensations. It's important to feel it all within our heart, no matter how difficult, no matter how blissful, joyful, be present with it all, and to feel everything. So now in part three, I'm going to be sharing with you some tips and practices to maintain energetic balance across all of the chakras in your system. So Kundalini, of course, is a very energetic process. Throughout the process, there's going to be times where you feel unstable, where there's a little bit too much energy up in the higher chakras that you may not be yet accustomed to, and this can cause some different symptoms and difficulties. And so it's very important that we learn how to balance and how to ground the energy and how to work with it so that we can maintain some sort of ease and to go through this smoothly. So you may be wondering now, well, why am I front-loading this whole series with the six basic guiding principles? Now I'm going to be sharing with you some of these tips to maintain energetic balance in the body. Well, the reason is simple. I want you to be safe. If we were, for example, in a situation where you can meet with me in like a center or an ashram and I could work with you, and as problems arose, I could help you out on the fly. We wouldn't have to necessarily go over all of these these uh, precautionary ideas and precautionary practices. Well, this is not the case. 
I'm here in my house speaking into a camera and you're watching this video or listening to this on the podcast and we are not in direct one-on-one contact. So it's very important that I take the responsibility as a teacher to let you know how to navigate this process safely so that in the middle of the night when you may be having a very difficult experience, you know that these practices exist and you can turn to them to figure out how to get through or how to manage those difficult experiences because I'm not going to be there for you. You know, we're not on a retreat together. So that's why I have to go out of my way to really lay this foundation. And it's very important that you yourself also recognize your responsibility as somebody interested in the Kundalini or as somebody working with the Kundalini that you don't neglect the six basic guiding principles nor this information to maintain energetic balance. It's very important. This is how you're going to be safe. This is how it's going to be a very smooth and successful process for you. And so that's why I'm taking my time here to really lay this all out for you. And I hope that you can stick with me here because this is very, very important stuff. So before I share these energetic tips with you, I want to make it very clear that we are not trying to dominate, control, or manipulate the kundalini force. When we're engaging in these practices to bring energetic balance to all the chakras within our system, what we're doing is working with the kundalini kind of like an assistant. What we're going to be doing is maintaining the energetic space within our system so that it's easy for the kundalini to do the work that it needs to do. It's kind of like if you had a contractor coming over to your house to do some renovations. You would make sure that things are clear so that there's enough space for the contractor to move, to lay their tools out, to do all the work that they need to do. That's your job. It's not the contractor's job to come in and tidy up and and make sure the space is safe. That's your job. And so that's what we have to do here. We've got to engage in these practices so that we can make a safe, comfortable, balanced place for the Kundalini to do its work. This is very important to understand. We're not trying to dominate the Kundalini here because we can't. Kundalini is something that's, you know, it's divine. This is the divine mother, the goddess. This is the infinite intelligence of source energy alive within you, taking you through an evolutionary process. It's your job to participate in that process, but not to try and control the Kundalini itself. Your job is to just maintain the system and the space within that the Kundalini is working on. And without your maintenance, things can get a little difficult, your process can be delayed, and you can have some rather difficult symptoms. And so it's for that reason that I've put together this part of the series to share with you some practices to manage those symptoms and to maybe keep them at bay throughout your kundalini awakening process. So as I've discussed, generally speaking, kundalini will rise from the base of the spine up towards the top of the head. Now there are some other types of awakenings in which the crown will open up and universal source energy will pour into the system and begin to work on the system in the same way that the kundalini does. It's essentially in the opposite direction, but nonetheless, the energetic transformation is going to be more or less the same when it comes to maintaining energetic balance within the body. Kundalini awakenings can happen depending on the individual in varying intensities. So for some people, they can experience the energy rising from the base of their spine or entering down through the crown in very intense rates, and it can bring a lot of energetic instability because it's happening so fast. For other people, they can have more gradual, slowed down, drawn out processes that may be a lot more easier to navigate and they will bring a lot less instability. But nonetheless, whether you're having a top-down awakening and a root to crown awakening, whether you're having an intense awakening or a very subtle and gradual drawn out awakening. It's very important that you don't neglect these practices because they apply across the board because at any any point along the path, we can experience energetic instability. And so it's important that we know how to manage and deal with those situations. So prior to any sort of spiritual awakening, 
for the most part, generally speaking, human beings will have their consciousness dwelling in the lower chakras. This will keep them very mundane, very worldly, very physically oriented. But as we go through the spiritual awakening process, the higher chakras will begin to open up, energy will begin to flow through them, and this can happen at higher and higher rates, and at times it can happen pretty intensely, and this can throw our energetic system off. And so it's important that we understand this, so that when we experience some of the symptoms of this energetic imbalance as the energy enters into these higher chakras, we know how to approach them. When the energy begins to flow through the chakras, especially the higher ones up in the head here, we can begin to feel some interesting symptoms until we are acclimated to those higher flows of energy. So we can experience a racing mind, we can experience insomnia, anxiety, we can have manic episodes, we can have difficulty focusing, we can have pain in the neck, headaches, tingling on the scalp, ringing in the ears. A more extreme end of the spectrum, we can have what's called depersonalization or derealization. In spiritual circles, we call this Zen sickness or emptiness sickness. Essentially, it's like being stuck in the void. What happens is a lot of energy goes up to the crown chakra, then it kind of leaves the body and we enter into this sort of witnessing state of consciousness where we're kind of just like watching everything come and go. We're watching our body, we're watching the phenomena of the world from a very disconnected, isolated place. We're stuck in the void, stuck in emptiness. At times, especially when this first happens, it can be pretty liberating and feel very spacious and freeing until the novelty wears off and we realize that we're pretty disconnected from the emotions within our body. It's very difficult to relate with other people in our lives. It's very difficult to engage in our work. And we want to really come back into the body and feel that balance once again. For people that don't know how to maintain energetic balance in the body, they can kind of be stuck there for a very long time. But I don't want you to get worried if you happen to be there right now, or if in the future you happen to end up there, it's very easy to bring that energetic balance back to the body with the practices that I'm about to share with you. Now, if you happen to experience any of these symptoms that I've laid out, I don't want you to feel as if something is going wrong, as if you've done something wrong, or you've messed everything up. These symptoms are typical, they're normal. Pretty much everybody that's dealing with the cleanly awakening process will experience them in some way or another, in some degree or another, so not to worry. So now, let's jump in to the practices. So these practices are about bringing balance. They're going to involve bringing some of the excess energy that's up in your head and spreading it out evenly across your system. But I don't want you to feel that it's going to drain all of the energy that's up in your higher spiritual energy centers down into the lower chakras and put you back asleep or make you a worldly person once again. You're not going to lose your spirituality. You're not going to lose your spiritual awareness. You're going to still remain a spiritually awakened person, but you're going to be balanced. You're going to be balanced in the heart center. You're going to have your conscience dwelling in the heart. You're going to have awareness up here in the crown. You're going to have the worldly awareness because you're still a human being in the root. And then you're going to have your consciousness dwelling in the heart center where you feel balanced, where you're able to bring your spirituality into the world as a human being. So don't feel as if these practices are going to cause you to lose your spirituality. No, they're going to balance you out so that you can share your spirituality with the world in a very effective and efficient way. So the first practice that I have for you is called the Jiva Bandha. It's also called a loop of the soul. Very simple. If I could only give you one practice, it would be this one right here. You just have to bring the tip of your tongue up to the roof of your mouth. This will create an energetic loop in which the excess energy within the head can use the tongue as a bridge to then travel down your neck and into your body. So if you're energetically sensitive, when you engage in this Jiva Bandha, you will feel the energy draining 
rushing down your neck, bringing relief. You may not feel it. That's okay too. Nonetheless, it's very important that you train yourself to just keep your tongue up there at all times as best as you can. It's very easy. It feels very natural. It's very safe. It's one of the best ways that you can avoid having too much energy getting stuck up in your head. The Jiva Bandha. Just bring the tip of your tongue up to the roof of your mouth. The next practice that I have for you is called Gyan Mudra. So it's the classic mudra here. We connect the index finger with the thumb and we extend the other three fingers. What this does is it stimulates our root chakra and it draws energy towards it. So all of the excess energy that's up here gets drawn towards the root and we can feel balanced once again. So you can place your hands on your knees engaging in Gyan Mudra. You can do it when you're walking, you can do it in line, you can do it when you're speaking with somebody. It can be very, very effective to feel balanced, to feel grounded. Gyan Mudra, very safe, very easy. Definitely give it a try. So the other practice that I have for you is to walk barefoot outside. Very simple. When we walk barefoot outside, it brings our awareness into our feet and this draws the energy down towards the lower chakras, balancing ourselves out. This is also called earthing. So when we walk barefoot, our feet, the soles of our feet are very, very sensitive. They're like our hands. So we can turn walking barefoot outside in the grass or in the sand or in the dirt into a meditation because we can feel all of the different textures and temperatures and it can really bring us into the moment. We can feel very present, very grounded, very stable. It's a very, very effective method to ground ourselves when we're a little bit too much in the head. We can go the opposite direction. We can focus on the feet. You can also imagine that you're breathing with your feet. I know it sounds a little weird, but if you can imagine that your entire body is one giant lung and your feet are the very bottom of that lung, you want to make sure that the oxygen gets to the feet as well. So you can imagine that you're breathing with your feet, that your feet are involved in the breathing process, and this will cause you to bring your awareness there and in turn cause some of that energy that's up in the higher chakras to move down towards the feet. You'll feel great. Give this one a try too. Relating to keeping your feet on the ground, I want to speak about how you sit. So when you sit cross-legged in like a lotus position, especially with awakened or activated kundalini, this can begin to stimulate it. So it's important that if you're going to sit like that, you sit like that on the ground, on the floor. Don't sit cross-legged in a lotus position, on a couch, on a bed, on a chair. This can cause you to feel ungrounded. So make sure that if you decide to sit cross-legged, sit on the ground, allow your root to connect with the earth, and this will cause you to feel that energetic balance. So the next tip I have for you is to make friends with the trees. So when we look at a tree, we notice its roots reach deep into the earth, and then at the same time, it's got branches reaching high up into the sky. Trees are perfect examples of what it means to be balanced. Their branches reach up towards the divine, their roots reach deep into the earth, they're very grounded, very balanced. We can look at them and we can understand that they serve as a type of model for us to understand how we're supposed to be balanced as well. But not only do they serve as a sort of metaphor or sort of abstract idea, they can also very literally energetically ground and balance you. You just got to make friends with them. So you can approach them. You can ask them in your heart or through your intuition. And you can say, hey, I need a little help here. Can you help me out? Wait for a response. You'll likely hear a yes. You can give them a hug. You can sit with your spine against a tree and they'll begin to work on you, grounding you. It's a very exciting process. You can begin to build these relationships with the trees. Now, I know this sounds pretty crazy. 
But remember, Kundalini sounds pretty crazy. What we're going to have to do on this path is we're going to have to open up our minds, open up our belief systems, and be willing to explore things that are a little bit out there, a little bit uh, far out that other people may think you're crazy or weird. You don't necessarily need to talk to everybody about this, but I want you to give these things a try. You can look at all of the myths and legends throughout the world, throughout history. Nature does communicate with us, and nature is very much aware of the Kundalini process, and especially the trees. They are willing to help you, and they'd be honored to help you. They provide a lot more than just oxygen. Go out and try. Speak to a tree. Hug a tree. See how you feel. It can't hurt. So the next practice that I have for you is very simple. It's about bringing a meditative awareness to movement. So sometimes on the spiritual path, we can become a little bit too caught up with things like silent meditation, and this can cause us to neglect our body. We can stop exercising, we can stop eating well, and this can cause us to also fall into a little bit of energetic instability. So it's very important that we acknowledge that we can bring a meditative awareness to the body even when we're moving, even when we're moving a lot. So we can turn our exercise into a meditation. We can turn making love into a meditation. We can turn going to the bathroom into a meditation, eating, walking, just sitting and breathing. This can all become a meditation and it should because what happens when you bring that awareness to the physical movements that you're engaging in in life? You drain that excess energy that's up in the head that's causing you to overthink, that's causing you to have trouble sleeping and you bring it into the body where it can be channeled outwards, where you can maybe work with your hands and create something. Maybe you can build a garden or maybe you can heal your body by exercising or eating well or maybe you can share some of that excess energy with another through making love. Whatever it may be, it's important to acknowledge that meditation is not just something that happens when you're sitting still, eyes closed by yourself in darkness. You can meditate by being fully present in the moment with whatever you're experiencing. So use movement as a doorway into energetic balance, as a doorway into meditation and as a doorway into the next level of your spiritual awakening. So the next tip I have for you is a lot of fun. It's about spending time with animals. So we all know that animals are perfectly energetically grounded, balanced, they're totally in the moment. They don't have the capacity for the energy to go up and down like we do. The reason for that is that generally speaking their spines are horizontal. Ours is vertical so our energy can go up and down. That's why we can attain self-realization and generally speaking they can't. Of course, I know some people are going to debate me on this, but just take what I'm saying and use it as a thought experiment for now. So because of animals and their horizontal spines, they maintain the energetic balance at all times. And they're here to help us and to show us how we can also attain that type of balance as well. So when we relate with animals, what it forces us to do is to remember our own animalistic nature. Sometimes we can be a little bit too spiritual, caught up in spiritual ideas and concepts, caught up in meditation, and we can sort of lose our physicality, lose our remembrance that we are in fact human beings which are animals. And so when we're engaging with animals, if they're forced, they force us to sort of meet them on their level and to remember that we too are animals and this brings us into our body and it causes us a, a, a lot of relaxation, a lot of pleasure, a lot of joy. This is why people like to keep pets because whether they know it or not, it brings them relief of being up in their head. It brings them back into the moment to remind them that they too are an animal. So I first understood this very deeply when in the midst of my Kundalini awakening, when I was going through some of the most difficult parts of it, I was laying in bed feeling as if I was completely outside of my body, feeling very disconnected, very ungrounded, no energetic balance whatsoever. My dog came into my room. She's a little pug. She jumped on my bed, jumped on my chest, and just lay there and I held her. And as I held her, I felt myself returning 
to energetic balance. I felt myself entering back into my body, feeling physical, feeling human once again. It was a great relief. I felt a lot of love. Now, the most interesting part about this, though, was that my dog has never been allowed to jump on the bed. Even when no one's home, she's not allowed to jump on the bed, and she never does. But in this moment, intuitively, she recognized that I needed her help and that she had the capacity to help me. And so she jumped in my bed, and she did what she had to do. It was fantastic. And so I, I love her a lot. I really appreciate her. And I want you, too, to recognize that your pets, if you have any, are there to support your spiritual process, believe it or not. So be open to that. Be open to relating with them on a spiritual level and see what happens. Another tip that I have for you for maintaining energetic balance is to use your diet to stay grounded. So there are some very great foods that we can eat that will bring us energetic balance. So root vegetables like potatoes, carrots, beets, turnips, they're energetically based in the earth. And so when we eat them energetically, they will draw the excess energy up in our heads down towards the earth, balancing us out. Dark leafy greens, kale, Swiss chard, very effective as well. Avocados are great for grounding too. At times, you may be inspired or called to eat meat. Yes, believe it or not, the kundalini may in fact invite you to eat some meat. Even though this may not be in alignment with your personal ideologies or identities or beliefs. Well, I want you to maintain an open mind. Kundalini is going to have you do what you need to do for this process to be successful. And for some people at times, it may be a little bit of meat. So I want you to be open to that. Conversely, you may be a meat eater and you may say, I'll never be a vegetarian. I'm always going to eat meat. I love my meat. Well, the kundalini at times may tell you, hey, you got to stop eating meat and you got to become a vegetarian or something else. And that's what you got to do. So I want you to be open-minded with your diet to let go of any ideas, beliefs, mentalities you may have in your head and to just listen to the guidance from within, trusting that the kundalini will lead you to the right foods at the right times. It's also important to become mindful of fasting. Now, at times, you may be inspired intuitively to fast, and this will be very healthy and effective for your system, and it will support your energetic process. But at other times, if you force yourself to fast, because you don't have any, any food in your stomach, you're, you're, you're not digesting anything, this can cause your awareness to rise up to the higher chakras very, very quickly, and it can cause you to feel very energetically ungrounded. You can feel very spaced out. And so it's important that if you're going to start fasting, you acknowledge that this may throw your system off balance. And so you either become ready and you say, hey, I know I'm going to feel a little ungrounded, but let's go through this fast. Or you do certain activities or practices like I've been mentioning to ground yourself during your fast before or after. So it's very important that you just bring some mindfulness to the fact that fasting is going to have an effect on the energetics of your body. So this next practice that I have for you, it's about bringing the power of visualization and meditation and using it to balance yourself out energetically. So what you got to do is you start by just bringing Gyan Mudra like that to stimulate the root chakra. Then you can close your eyes, bring your tongue up to the roof of your mouth, and you can begin to visualize the energy in your body as liquid light, golden or white. It's radiant. And you can imagine it flowing evenly across your entire system and you're getting balanced. If you want to take it to the next level, you can do this out in nature with your back up against a tree and allow the tree to help you out. But nonetheless, use the power of your imagination to begin to visualize the energy, visualize it, be 
being spread evenly across your body, bringing you that energetic balance. So the final tip that I have for you is to communicate with your Kundalini. So throughout the series, I've been mentioning that the Kundalini within you will speak to you, will give you guidance and insight. Equally so, you can also speak to the Kundalini. You can ask and say, hey, what do I need to do right now? Or you can say, hey, can you please take it a little easy on me right now? I'm having some difficulty managing all this energy. And the Kundalini will respond. It is the divine within you. It is infinite intelligence. She is the goddess, the divine mother, Kundalini Shakti. And so you can develop this relationship in which you can have a dialogue. You can listen and you can speak. And at times, she will at times surprise you with miraculous, very specific instructions for what you need to do. And you should by all means do that. At other times, you may ask and say, hey, can you take it a little easy on me right now? But if she knows that you can survive and make it through those difficult energetic shifts, she may not let up and she may let you go through those difficult times knowing that you're safe, that you're taken care of. It's important that you develop this sort of relationship with the Kundalini within you. It is infinite intelligence. It's a very beautiful relationship, perhaps one of the most beautiful relationships that you can possibly have. So those are the practices that I have for you today. I want you to understand that if you end up in a situation when you're dealing with some adverse symptoms as a result of energetic imbalance, like I mentioned, it's not the end of the world. You haven't messed up. All of these things are typical and normal for anybody going through a kundalini awakening process. It's important that out of self-love that we support our kundalini process and engage in the right practices. Now, I know that at times when we're, when we're feeling ungrounded and uncomfortable, it can be really difficult to you know put our foot down and do what's best for us. But I invite you to have the courage, have the self-discipline and out of self-love really do the right things that you're meant to do. Because this is what will make the difference between a very difficult, intense, scary, challenging kundalini process and a very smooth and easy one. So if you want to find out a little bit more about how to stay energetically grounded, I've written a short ebook. It's totally free. It's on my website, brentspirit.com. It's called a no-nonsense grounding guide. I talk about what it means to be energetically grounded a little bit more. I go over the symptoms in a little bit more depth. You can check it out. It's totally free. The audiobook is there as well. All you've got to do is enter your email and it's all yours. So if you find this content useful, please share it with a friend who may be experiencing some adverse effects of not being energetically balanced. I'd really appreciate all your support. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and if you want to keep up with me on YouTube, please subscribe to my channel. I look forward to meeting with you in the next part of this series. Until then, much love.